This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Right away, right off the top, happy Thanksgiving on behalf of the show here tonight. It is John Jang, it is Jason Manalis, it is Andrew Ferreira, and we are so happy that you could be with us. We certainly hope that you're having a great Thanksgiving, whether that's with family, and maybe you're doing that safely, maybe you're doing it electronically, maybe you're doing it over Zoom, the virtual way that we're all adjusting to life here with COVID-19, or if you're doing it by yourself. That's absolutely okay. Just the fact that you could be with us here right now, consider yourself not alone. And you're with three dashing gentlemen. Again, it's John Jang filling in for Shane Hewitt. <laughs> oh, the giggles already from Andrew Ferreira. <laughs> dashing, maybe not the right term. Uh, let's go with palatable. All right. I can, I can deal with that. Jason Manow is just like shrugging. You're like, yeah. Oh, I don't yeah, I mean, no. Well, I mean, we're not, we're not the best, but we'll do. We're not the A-team. But we're the, uh, we're the backup to the A team. So I don't know if you want to call that the B team or the A minus team. I'll take either or. doesn't matter. It works for me. I'll take the, the mid-80s team. Mid-80s team. I yeah, you know. That's where most of my grades were in the mid-80s. You know, not quite good enough for an A. But, you know, people are like, oh. Just the fact that you even had 80s, man. Wow, look at the brains on Andrew over there. Look, they don't, they don't, you know, they, they don't pay me the medium bucks to, uh, to come here without, without, without knowledge. They don't call me the science guy for nothing. Uh, g- good point. We're going to hear from Andrew regarding the weird world of science. That's uh, that, really bad at science. That's, well, there's, there's so much different <laughs> kinds of science. Like when we're talking high school science, there's biology, chemistry, physics. Chemistry. <laughs> yeah, not my, nope. not my, not no, my forte. No, very scary. I, I, I was more of a uh, biology guy. Same. And that was only because I was like, well, we get to cut up frogs and things. In bio, I was like, I don't have to do math. I just heard that PETA has already sent us an angry email about the comment. I'm sure to uh, read that out loud and mock it. Indeed. Uh, We're getting lots of feedback from those who are listening right now. And again, a happy Thanksgiving to you. We've got a text here from Mark in Winnipeg, Nate in Cleveland. A lot of text messages coming in saying happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Uh, Thanks for the show here today. We love you and all these great things. Awesome. I love starting out on a high note so that we can bring it all to a very, very low point uh, throughout the next four hours and a bit uh, as we take you through the night into your Monday morning and get you set. And look, I, I think it's important to also keep in mind that most of us are uh, probably going to be enjoying a long weekend. I say most of us, not any of us here in this room. But there are also those that are going to be working through this long weekend, essential workers, people that might be working in, in other scenarios, whether it's restaurants, uh, delivery services, whatever, uh, cab companies, all these things. There are people working tonight. There are people working tomorrow. There are people that are sacrificing getting together with family so that they can make ends meet right now in an especially difficult economic time for so many Canadians all around the country. Uh, a big thank you. And a golf clap to those that are working because you are helping run the engine that is this country. So it's important to keep those in mind. Uh, After all, they're the ones that are doing this work and uh, we get to enjoy and benefit from all those things. So if you're not familiar with me, uh, again, the name's John. Uh, I am usually the host that you would be listening to on The Shift on Friday nights slash Saturday mornings, depending on where you live. But um, it's been a, a great experience on The Shift so far. I'm filling in for Shane throughout this next week. So that's going all the way up until Thursday. And then the one and only uh, Eric Chapman will be back in on Friday filling in for me. So it's kind of a musical chairs of hosts for this next week. Uh, it's going to be a blast. I've never had the pleasure of working with Jason and Andrew so directly like this. But if I'm going to peel back the curtain just a little bit, Jason, you and I, we have a little bit of working history together because uh, when I started... Here in Vancouver at 980 CKNW about two months ago, you were like the first producer that I uh, got in touch with and that I started working with. Yeah, for sure. Um, so on the old show that uh, uh, we built just six months ago, uh, John was the first contributor or uh, the second contrib- second contributor ever on that show. Yeah. And yeah, and we communicated through there. I've, this is my first time meeting John in person. It's true. He's a very handsome guy. Yeah. Well, th- thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Very good looking. So, uh, I mean... We don't like they don't they say face for radio, but John's got a face for everything, man. Face for everything. Very attractive. Wow. The the compliments keep guys, this is the energy boost that I needed to get through at least the next ten minutes. That's ravishing. That's wonderful. Wow. Stop. Stop. You guys are too kind. You guys are also, like I said, dashing gentlemen. I don't even care if you guys don't agree with it. We're all dashing here right now. Uh, we're working on a holiday. So we're all dashing. Just real, for that alone. The real MVPs right now. Um, the reason I, uh, I bring this all up because I'm so excited that I get to share the next uh, several nights this week with you. And uh, I've learned over the past few weeks working on the shift on Friday nights, or at least we'll call it the weekend edition. When I work on the weekend edition on the shift, uh, just the great 
collection of listeners that belong uh, to the shift, listening every single night across the country. It's been so great. One thing that I always ask on Friday nights, uh, Saturday mornings, is that you respond with your texts, with your calls, any kind of response, anything you hear from me or Andrew or Jason uh, at any point, if it makes you go, hmm, I have a thought about that, or hmm, John made a grammatical error in one of the sentences that he used, feel free to let us know, 877-399-9898. What I like to say on the weekend edition of this show is that this is your show. Matt, who's usually my producer, my tech producer on Friday nights, he and I are simply the ones sitting on this side of the microphone, but really... We just are talking hands. You're the one that's going to help fill out the content of the show and become the heart of the show. This past Friday, we were talking about Thanksgiving, and of course, that's what we're on to right now. Um, So the question I've got for you now is, what are you most thankful for? And I know it's such an easy question at this time of year to be going back to, and you've probably heard it from a dozen other different radio hosts all throughout the week. But what are you most thankful for? I think we have a very unique position here, uh, considering that we are a national program and we get to hear from Canadians all over. What are you most thankful for? And that phrase might mean a little bit more this time around because of what we've had to go through and endure over the past number of months with the global pandemic, COVID-19. And with that, the economic downfall, uh, the loss of jobs, the loss of financial security and stability for so many people around the world right now, including Canadians, of course. And it just brings us now to a moment here where we can ask, what are you most thankful for? There's so many things to consider, I know. I'll say this. It was about a year ago at this time that I was let go from my uh, previous job. And obviously, nobody really knew what COVID-19 was last October. I had no idea what it was. Never even heard the words coronavirus put together. But when I was let go from that position last year, I told myself, well, you know what? I'm going to take the rest of the year off. And then when 2020 comes around, early January, February, I'm really going to start working hard to send out those resumes, send out those application letters, all these things, and get right back into this industry ASAP, right? Seems like a logical thing to do. You you take some severance, you get some time off. I went back and visited family in Korea. It was nice. It was like chicken noodle for the soul. But then as soon as the calendar flips, everything just goes whoop, topsy-turvy. And jobs that I thought would have been available in the early parts of 2020 did not come to be. Companies and corporations around the country uh, started freezing management decisions, started freezing marketing decisions, started freezing financial decisions. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a situation where I didn't have work and I really wasn't sure what my plans were going to be. I wasn't even sure if I was still going to be living on the West Coast. Fast forward a few months and I'm doing odd end jobs, I'm freelancing, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to make sure I can get through the next month worth of rent. I say all this because I'm very thankful to be where I am right now. And I'm thankful that I get to be working here at home for me, uh, which is Vancouver. I'm thankful that I get to be sitting in this chair at this very moment talking to you and sharing some of the experiences over the past year because it hasn't been easy. And I will say I'm probably more fortunate than most others because I at least can say that I am working and that I feel at least secure about that. And I'm enjoying what I do. I love what I do. I get to meet great people like Jason, like Andrew, like Matt MacArthur, like Shane, all these great people that help formulate what is not only the shift, but also a great team and an experience so far at 980 CKNW. So I'm very thankful that I'm back doing what I love and that I get to meet great listeners like you. It hasn't been easy. 2020 is certainly going to throw us probably more curveballs over the next few weeks, months. We're not out of the woods yet. But what are you most thankful for? Before we open up the text lines and get to a phone call here, I'm going to put Jason and Andrew on the spot. And let's start with Jason. Jason, you know, you're, like we said, you know, we, we, we managed to connect early when I was starting out at CKNW. What are you most thankful for today? Yeah, I think um, someone of my age, um, pretty lucky that I'm in this position right now. I'm really thankful because, you know, um, like I got really lucky with this job and I'm I'm super happy that I'm still here. Um, I know a bunch of people that are my age uh, looking to get into this industry, like like you said, um, are having a really hard time right now. Um, And the fact that, you know, uh, I didn't I didn't expect to be here um, for sure. Um, But the fact that I am and I'm still, you know, here on a part time basis uh, is 
kind of a miracle. And I thank God every day for that, uh, for this opportunity and to be able to work with uh, all types of people and not just the people um, who are employed here, but the different types of people that call in. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with this show now for the past two or three weeks, uh, you hear a lot of different people and they'll bring their problems to the, to the show and you'll hear all this stuff. And I think um, it makes you really, you know, appreciate what you have in life, so that's um, yeah. I'm just thankful to be in the position to be in the position I am right now. I'm, I'm giving you some jazz snaps. This is what people do at a jazz club after a great performance. Because you're right, man. I mean, you are young, the, a ripe age of just 14 years old, and here you are working at a major market radio station. That's incredible. I'm, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm just add, uh, add, uh, oh, frick, I can't even do math. Um, 25, so do oh, 11, the math there. 11, so. 11 more years, yeah, 25. Oh, and by the way, just like before we get to Andrew, like I never get to say that I'm the elder statesman on a show that I'm working on. Usually I am the younger guy. But at 30 years of age, I've got the gray hairs. I'm the oldest person on the show here tonight. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? This show right now, i just like to mention this. This is the first show I've ever been a part of. With a team that's 30 years or younger. Yeah. First time ever. We're all babies. Yeah. We're all babies. I mean, that might just be a coincidence. I don't know. Maybe it was designed. Maybe some secret genius is saying like, oh, what are these young cats going to do if we all just put them in a room, stick a microphone in there and see what happens? But I'm loving it. I, I, you know, I think it's an opportunity to do something really fun over the next couple of days. And, um, you know, eventually we're going to get Ray in here as well. And uh, he's going to bring up the median age <laughs> on the show just just a little bit. He's not an old man. Just a tad bit. Just a tad bit, but certainly a little older than you and I, Jason. Uh, Andrew, let's let's put you on the spot. Now, what are you most uh, thankful for? And in your, by the way, I think you're the only one between the three of us that had turkey tonight. Uh, I did have turkey. Yeah. Uh, it was good. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, indeed. Uh, man, uh, Jason, you know, took the stage and absolutely threw it into the stratosphere there. I was going to say I was thankful for something like jelly donuts, but man, uh, <laughs> you can, yeah. I mean, I am thankful for jelly donuts. Yeah. You know, they are delicious. If you have, you know, and I'm going to put this, I just thought of this right now because the, you know, nothing has ever gotten the phones quite as busy as talking about where you like your food because we are across Canada right now. That's right. So, you know, if, if you have got donut recommendations, I'll throw mine out just right now. Duffins in Vancouver, if you're ever in town. 41st Avenue and Knight Street. I used to live two blocks away from Duffins. I know that spot pretty well. And you are not 700 pounds. Uh, I have a very high metabolism. Good for you. Uh, But no, I'm thankful, you know, for all the same reasons that, you know, look, it's 2020. Uh, The world is seemingly coming to a horrible, fiery end. Um, And I'm sitting here yapping into a microphone at, you know, 10, 20 p.m. here in Vancouver uh, for money. How ludicrous. (laughs) Who decided that was a good idea? You're getting paid? Well, you know, coupons. (laughs) Coupons are money if you think about it like that. There are, you know, Burger King coupons in the kitchen. Nothing wrong with a Whopper, man. No, absolutely. And it's an underrated burger. I'll tell Mm -hmm. you what. Underrated? Um, Okay, okay. I'm, t- I'm telling it's, it's, it's give it a chance guys uh but no I, I am thankful for the position that i can be in you know mm-hmm. i can be here i can talk i can make horribly inappropriate jokes in front of a national audience um i can complain about my lack of a fast metabolism i can gaze and wonder <laughs> at john's sculpted body sculpted um but no it, it's good to be surrounded by people that i genuinely enjoy being around and you know it, it's not very often in life that i think that we uh, as people get a chance to really come together and just sit and talk, especially nowadays, uh, everything is so, you know, off the cuff and, you know, I'm going to scroll past this tweet. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to scroll past this tweet, have my blood pressure tick up a little bit, mm. uh, get angry and then throw something at the wall. And then that's, you know, ah, my social interaction for the day is over. How wonderful. Yeah, I get um, that. I get that. But, you know, the fact that we can be here, I think is great. The fact that you know, you are here with us, you know, you as in John, you as in Jason, you as in everyone who's deciding to uh, tune in and listen across the country or across the world, wherever you are. Um, thank you. Y'all yeah. are great. Yeah. Keep it up. One You're thing I'm very handsome. One thing I've, I, oh, and jazz snaps for you as well, Andrew. Very well done. Very well done. Uh, one thing I always say about radio and the, and the nature of what we do as professionals in this industry is that uh, in reality, if there's no listener, you know, we're, we're just... A bunch of wild, wild people talking into a microphone and talking into a wall, basically. So without the listener, we're nothing. And so, yes, again, thank you uh, so much for for joining us here tonight. Uh, 
We're going to get to Nate in Cleveland, Ohio here in just a second, and I know you've been waiting patiently here, Nate. Just want to say, again, 877-399-9898. Always encouraging your texts, your calls, any thought you might have, any correction if you want to call me out for something that I said or any of us tonight. Encouraging you to do exactly that. Nate in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, let's get you on the line here, sir. Welcome back to The Shift. John, always good to hear you. Thank you, Nate. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, uh, Uh, you're in Ohio, but I know you still technically celebrate. So happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to all of Canada. Um, no, uh, what I'm grateful for is um, the health of my family. Um, I'm approaching 40, so I'm raising the median age here. Nothing wrong with that. But um, my wife is in a nursing home. She has really advanced MS. My son is 16. He's had four open-heart surgeries and a host of other surgeries, but I'm really thankful that mm. they're both doing well. And... I can still talk to them every day, even through all this nonsense. Um, my son and I watched the Cleveland Browns game today. <laughs> and a good game for you guys. Yeah, yeah. But we watched the game. Yeah. So um, I would say I'm thankful for my family. And if you're thankful for your family, make sure they know that. Excellent point. Yeah, excellent point. You know, it doesn't take much to just send a text message to a cousin, an uncle, certainly mom, dad, sister, brother, whatever you got. Let them know, hey. No, 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 don't send it. Don't call Crazy Uncle Stan because he'll call and then he'll just give you an hour and a half of stories you already heard 18 times before. Right on. Hey, Nate, thank you so much, as always, for calling in and contributing to the shift. Uh, very thankful for right. your family as well. So appreciate you, the call. Yeah, you will, we'll, love you too. And we'll, we'll talk very soon. Uh, that is Nate in Cleveland, Ohio, with, uh, with, with a great phone call there. And, and a solid reminder. I know we got to do a quick uh, all-night headline, but uh, let's get to Josh out in Brampton here as well. Josh, welcome to the shift. How's it going, guys? So thankful for health, of course, family and friends as well. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, on the positive side of 2020, I'm a little thankful that it put everything into perspective because a lot of us were distracted prior. And this made us locked up at home and Mm. appreciate the little things that we were definitely taking for granted prior to 2020. You know, that's a great point. Even the small things like going to the grocery store and not having to worry about lining up six feet in front or behind somebody, those things and going to a restaurant and and just not having to feel like, oh, am I am I in risk right now? Those are the little things. And boy, it's going to feel nice when we get it back. But an excellent reminder there, Josh, uh, in terms of, you know, some of the small things that have changed uh, in your life right now, uh, you know, are, are you still working? Are you are you still good on that front? To be honest, uh, I'm very blessed financially because I work in the financial field. So great. That didn't affect me at all one bit. I actually did better. It's horrible to say. Hey, so nothing. many people are doing the opposite. But, uh, you know, because we didn't have that worry, yeah. of course we can appreciate our, our family and friends a little bit extra without well, that worry Josh, in the back of our mind. I'll say this, and again, a really big thank you for calling in tonight and adding to the to the shift here. Uh, never apologize for, for being successful and, and making a little bit of profit here because at the end of the day, uh, it, it is also looking out for yourself. And uh, even though it's been a difficult year for a lot of Canadians, if you're in a position where maybe you weren't feeling that, don't apologize for it. Just consider yourself very lucky. And, and honestly, I'm very glad that you were able to call in uh, with your quick thanks. Uh, this is the Shift Daily Podcast. Uh, before we get to are you okay's, and uh, we'll, you know we, we, we've got some big ones here, let's quickly go to Karen out in Burlington. Karen, welcome to the shift. Hi, I listen to you guys every single night. I love you guys. Oh well, thank you very much for the support. Really appreciate that. What are you thankful for this year? Well, first of all, it took me a while to remember your phone number to put it in my phone, but I finally got it. Oh, good. And. Um, I'm thankful that a couple of years ago, I survived a massive heart attack. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how how are you doing right now then? You're you're doing okay, obviously? Yeah, um, I live alone. I have no family. It's just me. And um, I'm doing the best I can with COVID and Mm -hmm. situations like that, but... I want to wish you, your listeners, and everybody on your staff a happy Thanksgiving Day. And just remember your family. Absolutely. Karen, very great words. And a thank you to you for calling in and sharing that. And I'll say this. You say you don't have family. 
Tonight, you've got three sons. You've got myself, you've got Andrew, and you've got Jason. I've just voluntold us to be your shift family. So thank you to you and happy Thanksgiving on behalf of everyone here that's working at the shift. 877-399-9898. Taking more of your reaction. The question is, what are you most thankful for this year? And do you have a shout out? Do you want to give a certain someone or individual, a, a business, an object? Some further kudos. You can do that by letting us know. Text or call 877-399-9898. For now, let's get right to it. Are you okay as we promised? Are you okay with two earphones being considered distracted driving? I mean, no. I mean, I only ever use one. And that I don't use the wired one. I use the uh, like a bud. Hmm. Um, I never actually put two, but I know a lot of people that actually use the full two earbuds. Yeah, I, I I certainly know some friends who are using the two earbuds, and I know some friends who also own motorcycles that use the two earbuds, but they are much harder to detect because they are wearing a helmet. So in that sense, if it's now considered distracted driving, how would they ever know? Hmm. Andrew, are you okay with this? Man. It's a tough one. I mean, on the one hand, if the legal precedent says that this is distracted driving, then suppose I'm okay with it. But on the other, like I said, not everyone is, you know, not everyone is lucky enough to have a car that has Bluetooth. Right. I don't. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I I know plenty of people who still rock ye old Bluetooth headset oh, right, yeah. in order to be able to take calls on the road. And nobody I know has ever been in any, you know, gotten into any uh-oh right. uh, with, with the police about it. But if this is what we're talking about now, now I'm going, do I, does everyone need to have a Bluetooth enabled car now? Hmm. Like, mm, I don't hmm. know. I am going to say... No, I'm not okay with it because I I feel like there are some experiences I've had where there's going to be inconsistencies with how this law is going to be charged. But are you okay with two earphones being considered uh, distract, distracted driving? Yeah. So uh, so basically in BC, um, there's a man who uh, basically appealed his case where he got charged for distracted driving while having two earphones in his ear um, and he lost. So now it is considered... Two earphones, having two earphones in your ear is distracted driving. Here's acumen lawyer Kyla Lee talking about the appeal that went the other direction for the man who appealed his case. There are more exceptions to the distracted driving law and more sort of hidden consequences to the distracted driving law than there is clarity in the legislation. The result is not surprising, but it's frustrating because it highlights sort of the absurdity that exists in our distracted driving laws in BC. The judgment doesn't answer the question about whether two earbuds in your ears on their own would violate the law if they're not actually connected to the phone. And it would be nice to see government change the penalty so that there was a spectrum associated with the conduct. If some of the politicians would give their party's platform on whether or not they would amend the distracted driving laws to bring more clarity to the public. Very interesting. So the phone was dead. Earphones are in. Distracted driving, yes. Yeah, which is the weirdest part because his phone was dead. And I Right. Thought, so and it's not, there's no audio. Yeah, nothing was playing out of there. And, hmm. the, and it's funny because even in the case... It meant it said in the in the case, like in the in the legal print, that the phone was off. Right. But they still considered it distracted driving. So, which is very odd. See, again, I know friends. Uh, not all of them do this, but the ones that I do know will wear uh, wireless headphones in their ears while driving uh, driving a motor motorcycle. Uh, is it the safest thing to do? No, but they like playing music. And oftentimes when they're driving, they'll be driving along roads where there isn't a lot of traffic. They'll be driving at night, etc. They're young, you know. They're they're feeling like they can be invincible. Although I. I got to say, anyone that drives a motorcycle, they've got more brass than I do. I would never be able to do it. But I've also been in situation, guys, where I've been in a cab. I, you know, I live in Vancouver. I don't live that far from the downtown area. So I take cabs or I used to take cabs pretty frequently coming out from the bar or the club. I try to be responsible. And when I've been in the cab, I have noticed 
several times. In fact, it's, it's a pretty regular occurrence where the cab driver is driving with earphones in. Not one, but two. And sometimes they'll just be having this phone conversation with whomever. It could be a friend. It could be a colleague. It could be a family member. I don't really know who, they, who they're talking to, but this is happening. So does it put them in a different situation because they happen to be working? They happen to be a yellow cab or, you know, what kind of cab, whatever. And the, the police just kind of look the other way. I, I don't know. I've never been pulled over on a cab. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they do. I mean, they do have a different license. They are cab drivers. Hmm. But yeah, that, that's true. Like even in every cab I've ever been in, I've never seen the cab driver get pulled over. Yeah. And like, f- like four out of five cabs I've ever been in, the driver always has both earphones in. Right. So yeah, that's odd. Okay, well, uh, we got lots of juicy. Andrew, do you want to jump in on on this? Uh, one? I was gonna, I was gonna point out the text that we're getting. Yeah, this well, Mark in Winnipeg says, uh, "How do you hear sirens if you have both of those earphones in? Even if, even if maybe the audio isn't playing." Uh, another one says, "No, this is not okay. How do you hear ambulances or a child screaming under your tires? Goodness me, oh, it's wow. illegal to drive with headphones. People don't pay attention as it is. I, I will back that up. Yes, people probably need to pay more attention. Certainly, and I, I don't want to generalize, but younger drivers are." Just Generally, those who are violating the law a little more than free, more frequently than people that have more experience on the road. That's why insurance rates exist. Uh, earbuds and motorcycles equals organ donor. Uh. Certainly. I mean, I, I'm sure they know the risk that they're putting themselves into. But again, young, feeling the adrenaline rush, feeling great on your motorcycle, going up and down the Sea to Sky Highway. You know, they, they just they just do them. I can't speak on their behalf. I just know what I've seen and observed. So it's a contentious one. Uh, somebody did ask this. Uh, he's only got them in one ear. What about hearing aids? I would imagine hearing aids qualify as a helpful device, so it would not be technically illegal. In fact, if you need hearing aids and you don't have them in while driving, is that illegal? That's probably more of a problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's probably legal. Uh, taking your reaction throughout this, 877-399-9898. Uh, let's, let's move on to, a, to another one here then. Now, are you okay? Are you okay with young politicians? Imagine politicians being young. Hmm. What a what a what a silly concept that I think is ridiculous. No, I'm totally. Why? Yes. Why? What? Why yeah. is that a question? It's a question. For the record, I'm okay because age is not a definitive answer in knowing whether or not somebody's qualified for a job. I, I like. I know. Like in order to be, um, you know, certain political. Uh, positions such as like the president or member of the Senate. I'm pretty sure there's a minimum age that most governments around the world need to adhere to. Yes. But if you're going to be like a like a mayor, if you're going to be an MLA, like in the most recent federal election, one of the candidates here in my riding, in my neck of the woods in Vancouver, uh, she was only, I think, 20 or 21 years old. Right. And, and, and I, I thought that was kind of neat. I thought it, it showed that the youth are caring enough about the world that they want to get involved with what's going on. I believe, uh, and British Columbia is undergoing a provincial election campaign right now, in a pandemic, mind you. Mm. Uh, but the Green Party here in BC is running, I believe, an 18-year-old in one of the northern Vancouver Island writings. Okay. So there wow. you go. You know, uh, youth in politics, I think, is a good thing because it shows that youth, you know, give two hoots about what's happening, uh, you know, whether it be in your neighborhood, whether it be in your, you know, you're part of the province, whether it be your country, they care. Yeah. And I think we, you need more youth in politics, especially with, you know, politicians are always asking, you oh, it's, it's up to the young people to vote, but then it's always old people in power. It's kind of, um, it's kind of odd to mm. just like say, oh, uh, well, you're old. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't <laughs> why would I listen to you? Um, and we can see all the, like all the criticism, like that old politicians are getting now, Right. you know, maybe some young faces are, is what, you know, places need for politicians it's their future it's their future so if if they want to elect leaders that represent their age group and and maybe more in line with where they're at philosophically uh, on a wide range of issues i don't mind youth i don't mind anyone that goes into politics as long as they are uh, relevant relatable and connected to the the people that they're serving but we ask this are you okay with young politicians because of a story that emerged over the weekend here jason where um one party was caught sort of 
criticizing a different uh, a member of a different party here. Yeah, so basically the um, the Liberal Party and the NDP Party are uh, well, you can say basically basically the front runners when it comes to the race here in BC. Um, so the Liberal Party uh, decided to uh, do a Zoom call when they where they were uh, roasting a, f- a fellow Liberal MLA candidate, and in this Zoom video, a Liberal MLA candidate uh, named Jane Thornwaite. Uh, made comments about NDP MLA candidate Bowen Ma, who is, by the way, 35 years old, one of the youngest politicians, um, who's one of the more fam- uh, famous politicians here in um, BC. And this was the this comments made in the Zoom call. So it was kind of like, okay, it's not my style. It's not Ralph's style. It's not a lot of people's style. But who's going to hold... Bowen Ma to account. So Ralph goes, okay, yeah, no, I'll do it. Yeah, I know, I know, I've got to call her out and all this sort of stuff. Except for Bowen is, you know, very pretty lady and uh, she knows that she's got it and um, she knows how to get Ralph going. And my, this is my roast part for Ralph. Day after, he's telling us in caucus that we cannot accept what Bowen Ma says anymore because she's not saying the truth and she's taking credit for stuff that she shouldn't be taking credit for. So I go to an event and one of them was the Cap U Student Union Luncheon. And both Bowen Ma and Ralph were stuck on the couch together very, very close together for almost the entire time. We were supposed to be, yes, Ralph, you remember that. We were supposed to be networking and all this, but Bowen knows how to get you. She knows how to get you. And she stood, there's these big couches, but Ralph would be sitting on one, say the middle of the couch and Bowen would be right up, right next to him, cuddling, 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 little there, and, and Ralph would be enthralled with her. And so I would tell people this story, and they wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it at all. They go, no, 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 Ralph's not that much of a sucker. Well, my friend John Yap, who I was going to ask if he should be you know, roasting you. He said, Jane, I experienced exactly the same thing. I was walking down the hall with Ralph. We were talking about something very, very serious. And then all of a sudden, Bowen came around the corner and whoop, Ralph is gone. He's paying attention to Bowen. And John Yap goes, what am I, chopped liver? Yeah. Yikes. So that happened. And boy, the Liberal Party is taking a beating on social media. A big hit, yeah. A huge hit in the, in the sense that, uh, you know, the MLA candidate, the one you heard, a Liberal candidate, Jane Thornwith, she made a response to all the criticism on Twitter earlier this morning. Didn't really apologize for it. Did say like, hey, like, you know, I support Bowen. I'm a woman myself. It has been ripped apart. As they say in Twitter lingo, ratioed. In terms of all the, you know, <laughs> fire comments that people are coming back with, uh, <laughs> the comments far outweigh the number of likes that this particular response tweet has gotten. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems there, too, was the fact that she was a woman saying that. Like, if it was a guy saying that, obviously, right. would have been like, it, it, it still would have been bad. But the fact that it's coming from another woman to another woman mm-hmm. was was pretty bad. Like <laughs> People are calling it sexist. Yes. People are calling it, um, you know an act of one woman who's far more established, far more experienced in the political sp- spectrum, uh, tearing down someone else who's younger, someone who uh, has been working very hard, somebody who you know, a lot of people look up to. Yes. And and you brought up the, the point with me earlier about how maybe we're getting to a point now where youth is trickling into all all industries. Heck, like even look at the show we mentioned. We're, we're all 30 years or younger. Is this an example of somebody feeling like maybe a little threatened by someone who's just a little younger than them and they're thinking like, oh, even if it's taken as a joke, because for context, that whole Zoom conversation was part of a roast. Yes. And so using the context of a joke or at least the the disguise of a joke, I'm going to criticize someone here. Yeah, she, she basically used the joke to imply that uh, Bo and Ma was using her youth and her her looks to get where she is now, hmm. which is completely unfair because if anyone knows Bo and Ma, 
she is probably one of the hardest working politicians in BC. Whether you, you what doesn't matter what political uh, party you're rooting for here, she's one of the hardest working ones in in BC. So the fact that she implied that she she was just using her looks mm-hmm. and her uh, body to try and sway um, to get to where she is now is completely ridiculous. Right. It's again telling that in the time of a provincial election. One party, which, by the way, the leader of that party was in this Zoom call. Andrew Wilkinson was in that Zoom call. And he also delivered a uh, a two-part tweet message to the people that are criticizing this. And, of course, it's been ratioed as well. Yeah, no kidding. But what's what's the point in, you know, throwing out a flimsy Twitter apology? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a little bit more background, this isn't the first kind of, you know, internal issue that the BC Liberal Party have run into. Uh, they're fielding a candidate in one of the ridings in the Fraser Valley on the outskirts of Vancouver who is openly anti-LGBT. Right. And the Liberal Party refuses to denounce that. Yep. Uh, and that's drawn a lot of flack from people because they're saying this person is openly espousing hatred mm-hmm. and yet you're not going to say this is wrong? That paints a very poor picture of the party. In a time, again, where you're trying to do the best you can to garner as much public support and votes... Leading up to the provincial election, which is later this month, and here you are in the party that is looking so archaic now, based on those two incidences, the Zoom call and the anti-LGBTQ, just the fact that you're sounding and looking and feeling so outdated compared to what you know other Canadians and, and, and a majority of Canadians are saying. Again, just look at the responses on those tweets. That tells you alone, uh, even if you feel like Twitter is a very vocal minority, how people are feeling about those comments and how people are feeling about the party right now. It's not a good look for a party that is trying to get a bit more support leading up to the provincial election. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Final seconds here in this NBA season. The respect from those two. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. There it is. The big win. The L.A. Lakers over the Miami Heat in six games. Final score, 106-93. And with it, a championship back to L.A. LeBron James, as you heard, finals MVP, thanking, of course, his supporters, not just in L.A., but also giving a shout out to Ohio, where he's from. And boy, it does feel fitting that the Lakers should win in the same year that we lose Kobe Bryant. I'll just say I'll I'll just say that much. Fun fact right now, if you go to Google, I'm not sure if it works on your phone, but it does work on your computer. If you just go to Google and you search up Lakers, just Lakers. Something really interesting happens where it gives you the results, but then purple and gold fireworks explode on your page right that's now really to cool. celebrate to celebrate the Lakers championship. So um, that's really cool. Yeah, just I had no idea that Google even did something like that. But you find out something new with Google all the time. Now that we're on the heel of uh, heels of the uh, the big Lakers win, uh, them of again restoring their championship glory, one of the most storied franchises in sports. We bring in Jason Manalis. He is our resident basketball expert. And Jason, you wanted to have a conversation before we get into the topic of the the bubble specifically. Uh, I just want to know your opinion. Put you on the spot here a little bit. Does this win put LeBron James solely as the greatest of all time? Not solely, not solely. I think uh, when you compare him to the different players in the NBA, um, it's always been hard to compare him to Michael Jordan. Uh, I think a lot of us have seen the documentary series The Last Dance on Netflix or ESPN, and you can see that they're totally different players. Uh, One player was totally ruthless in his approach, LeBron James, always team first. Um, Even in the game before, you know, the game that they won today, he was criticized for making a pass instead of taking that last shot uh, when everyone knew that was the right basketball play. Mm. Uh, LeBron's always been a team guy. He's always been a pass-first pass, a pass first type of forward, uh, which makes him more relatable to the late uh, or to the um, uh, great Magic Johnson. Um, but I think with, with LeBron, this does put him in the upper I would say right now, in my opinion, they're pretty much tied. Mm. Jordan obviously has six championships, six of them coming when never losing in the finals. Right. Uh, but LeBron's been to more finals. 
He's won four of them, and he's had a much tougher road getting these championships. So. LeBron James's finals record, not as spotless as Michael Jordan's, but I'll say this, four championships, three different teams, four finals MVPs, speaks alone to uh, his greatness and the ability to come through in the clutch. I'll just quickly mention, uh, my two cents is that LeBron James has now cemented himself as the greatest. I'm sorry, Michael, you can gladly take number two, and there might not be another person in history to ever displace you, but LeBron James is my number one simply because... LeBron James did something that Michael Jordan would never do, and that is get involved in social issues. When you have a platform as one of the biggest stars in the world, not just in America, not just in Canada and North America, in the entire world, you have an opportunity to address billions of people and spread certain messages or endorse other ones. And Michael Jordan would never, ever weighed into political issues, social justice issues, but whereas Michael just focused primarily on basketball and good for him because he, of course, is one of the greatest, just not the greatest, the difference being LeBron James takes that opportunity in the spotlight uh, to honestly be the change that he wants to see in the world. And I admire the heck out of that. Yeah, and, and let's just be real here. LeBron won in a bubble. This, is the, this has been the first ever NBA bubble. You know, the NHL just wrapped up their bubble. Um, and LeBron, for everything that's being said about this year, has, as hard as this year was, this was probably one of the toughest seasons ever. Not just, not just in terms of the bubble, but they lost Kobe Bryant. A big hit to, that, to the Laker fan base, a big hit to them uh, as they were grieving Kobe Bryant's death. And he went through this, these playoffs uh, through each team, and even when they did face, you know, that adversity, they still were able to get through it, just, you know, just boggle down, strap down, and just be able to take over these games. And that's why they won. You know, they dedicated this win to Kobe. And here is actually Anthony Davis, forward for the Lakers, talking about what the finals meant for the memory of the late Kobe Bryant. All we want to do is, is do it for him, and we didn't let him down. Um, it would have been great to do it in the last game in his jerseys, but you know it made us come out even more aggressive, even more powerful on both ends of the floor to make sure we close it out tonight. And I know he's looking down on us, proud of us. Um, I know you know Vanessa's proud of us. The organization's proud of us. Um, you know it, it means a lot to us. Just, just remarkable from uh, Anthony Davis. They're dedicating it uh, to Kobe Bryant, and I just want to say here, um, this is. Total coincidence. I never planned this. But on the clip length here, it's literally 24 seconds. Hmm. So It is. That's crazy. Awesome. Magic. I mean, look, uh, when you think of the Lakers, uh, certainly Magic Johnson is one of the most iconic faces. But in my generation, and I'm assuming you guys, since you're younger than me, Kobe Bryant is the image of the Lakers, right? I mean, those glorious years, or maybe not so glorious years, with Shaquille O'Neal, those two, you know, Phil Jackson— That's the image that I have when I think of the Lakers. And so the fact that they would win, again, in the same year that we lose Kobe Bryant, uh, it's just poetic in a sense. It's very fitting. Very, very fitting. And I think... Um, and I think too, with uh, with that, it's um, it shows too that you know Kobe wasn't just an icon to Lakers fans; he was an icon to basketball fans mm. all over the world. You know, you know, you know, we're all in school. Hey, Kobe shooting the paper ball into the garbage can, and this was very fitting, fitting, very fitting end to probably the strangest and the hardest season in NBA history. Um, now here is a four-time champion and now four-time Finals MVP LeBron James on winning the NBA championship. Uh, means a lot. It means a lot to represent this franchise. Um, Jeannie, I told Jeannie when I came here that uh, I was going to put this franchise back in a position where it belongs. Um, her late great father did it for so many years, and she just you know took it on after that and. For me to be a part of such a historical franchise is uh, it's an unbelievable feeling, not only for myself, but for my teammates, for the organization, for the coaches, for the trainers, everybody that's here. Um, we just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization wants their respect. Laker Nation wants their respect. And I want my damn respect, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting that respect now. Oh, yeah. And I think, too, like, 
it's funny because uh, you, you always know who LeBron James is pointing at. It's always the media critics that always criticize every move he makes. Mm-hmm. Skip Bayless. Um, but, of course. Um, but this is, you know, like you, you can't deny it now. As you've mentioned, John, that's three different teams. Yeah. Three different coaches. Um, and it's three different systems, too. He's doing it with all sorts of players. You can, you know, you can uh, say what you want about Michael Jordan and LeBron James in that debate. But the fact will always remain. LeBron James is the ultimate adjuster in the NBA. The league turned into a three-point shooting league midway through his, uh, midway through his career. Changed. There's a bubble. He adjusted. Different teams adjusted. Different coaches adjusted. So, um, and yeah, and that's what makes him one of the greatest of all time. And just one, uh, one more clip here to remember Kobe. Here's LA fans outside of the Staples Center chanting, Kobe. It is iconic, like you mentioned. You know, when you're throwing trash into the uh, into the bin, it's Kobe. When you're throwing literally anything, anything at one of your friends, it's a Kobe. Or into anything, yeah. it is Kobe. Kobe. And I, you know, we're, we're in our twenties, thirties. Um, you know, we, we grew up with Kobe Bryant, Black Mamba. I wonder if it's still the same for kids nowadays. You know, like I wonder if they still understand because you know Kobe had he'd been retired a few years already, yeah. and I just hope that never goes away. You know, I hope that's one of those things that just becomes etched into the way we talk. And it's just one of those things that lasts forever because I, I, I really think it deserves to be. It's yeah, harmless. It does. It pays honor and tribute to one of the greatest that played, one of the greatest Lakers ever. And just the fact, again, it, it would happen in this year. To your point about LeBron James winning uh, the four titles, three different teams, we all saw the impact Kawhi Leonard had in Toronto. Yeah. Right? Delivers its one and only first so far NBA championship last year. Well, Kawhi goes to the Clippers this year. I would argue, you know, his support crew, his support cast in, in L.A. was either on the same level or maybe just slightly worse than what he had in Toronto. But the difference being, uh, he obviously couldn't win this year. It takes tremendous amount of ability. To be an individual that can go team to team to team, and not consecutively, of course, but to deliver championships to three different teams in three different systems, like you mentioned, with three different teams where all your guys, your supporting crew, they're all different people. They all have different strengths. They all have different personalities. You have to manage all of that and and still be good enough to win. Yeah, and you have to, like the chemistry there has to build, and that's why, you know, Kawhi's new team, the Clippers, you know, got bounced in the second round. Mm -hmm. They didn't have enough chemistry. Um, so for LeBron just to make everything go together um, is a true testament to what type of player he is, not just on the court, but off the court, like you said, John. Um, but let's let's talk about, okay, so this is now the second bubble that's completed. We saw it in the NHL. Uh, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And now it's the Los Angeles Lakers, the champions of the NBA in their bubble. So which proves that I, I, put, the, I put out this question, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show. When I was asking, should we see bubbles in, you know, in rec, in rec leagues, in, in normal life for the average Joes to be able to play in? Because I know that sports has been taken out of uh, many people's uh, daily lives because, you know, they're not able to go to a gym anymore. They're all closed. They're not able to play competitive, you know, indoor soccer, indoor ball hockey, indoor basketball, uh, volleyball. They're not able to do that because of the pandemic. Uh, so I, I would love to see, you know, rec centers, gyms uh, and places like that, fitness centers be, um, you know, try to do this more, try to do some bubbles because we can see just how successful they can be. I don't mind that. It's just now you have to get very particular with the details because a bubble like this works because these players are being paid millions of dollars. Uh, yes, they have to, in some cases like the NHL, they have to leave their families behind and be confined with their teammates just months at a time in a hotel. If you're bringing a bubble into a rec level area, obviously people are doing it for fun. No one's being paid. No one's a professional. You're all doing it on a voluntary basis. So I would be very curious how you can exact a bubble in the public sphere. Because people will still have to go home, right? People will still have to go and work, assuming that they have work. It's going to be very difficult to bring something like that into the public sphere. But if it's, say, minor league hockey, 
or, or major junior hockey, I should say. That I could see it being a little bit more, a little bit more feasible. Now, like throughout the year, WHL and BCHL players, I know, and OHL and all that, uh, they will have billet homes. Is it conceivable that teams could somehow find ways to, instead of using billet homes and billet parents, just have all these kids managed by a group of adults, but all together in the same sort of location? That could be something. It's worth at least studying because the bubble has worked. You're right. Like there was no positive cases at all for the NHL. There was no positive cases really for the NBA. And yet we see in, in, in the NFL, oh my goodness. Yeah. Games are being rescheduled, players, coaches, staff. Everyone seems to be getting sick if your team has even one exposure. Even the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, one of the greatest sports dynasties of all time, controlled by one of the greatest coaches and general managers of all time in Bill Belichick, they have had an exposure. Cam Newton was positive for COVID-19, didn't play. Now it's getting worse, and the game has to be rescheduled again to help out the Patriots, the Tennessee Titans, uh, the Minnesota Vikings had an exposure. It's spreading because these players are not in bubbles. Yeah, And the NFL is the biggest sports league in North America. Yeah, and the most watched sport in America. Right. It was always going to be difficult because when you're just comparing rosters, like, you know, NHL, you have a 23-man roster. That needs to be active. You can have technically more during the playoffs. In the NBA, it's not that much different. But in the NFL, of course, you're talking about a 53-man roster. (laughs) Multiply that by 32 teams. That's a lot of people in one bubble. It's harder. It's more uh, expensive, logistically speaking. But let's be honest, the NFL makes so much money. They are a billion-dollar enterprise. They could buy an island in Hawaii and just throw all their players on this island, construct two brand-new stadiums, and get this done. It would look different. That would be wild. It would be different. That would would be crazy. But they have, like, the money to do it. They totally (laughs) Welcome to the NFL island. Right. Or or they could, like, just... You guys ever watch the Truman Show with Jim Carrey? Yes. Like, they've got that Superdome. Like, the city is just artificial. They could create one of those out in the desert in California and just throw the players in there. Again, construct two brand new stadiums, a whole bunch of hotels, maybe, like, uh, In-N-Out, Burger Shack, whatever, and just create... The NFL Dome, sponsored by Fox. A brand, a brand new state for the Union in the United States, the state of NFL. The state of NFL, <laughs> where the, uh, where, I guess the, the mayor would be Roger Goodell. Not only am I your commissioner, I am also your mayor. And the governor and the representative in, in the Senate. Everything. Everything. Well, he already has that much power you in the what? NFL. You know, you know what? In 2020, there are probably crazier things that are more likely to come true than that. But like... You know, just bringing it back to rec sports, like it's fascinating because people that love rec sports are crazy about rec sports. I have friends that play dodgeball yes. as a rec sport, and it is so popular because, of course, it is. Who doesn't want to like play dodgeball and just nail somebody in the head with a you know red dodgeball? It's classic. I would be interested to see how many people are willing to like voluntarily just like stay somewhere else for like a two week period. Or I guess it has to be a little longer for quarantine purposes. Three week period. To make sure you can get your dodgeball championship or your softball championship or your indoor soccer championship, your handball championship, so that you can be 100% sure that there would be no COVID-19 headaches. It's a tough sell, again, because people want to be home. Maybe they have pets they have to take care of. Maybe they've still got a job they need to go to. But if it's for the glory of a championship (laughs) and a title, would you quit your job? To chase that softball. (laughs) (laughs) If it's worth it, would you quit your job to become the king of bowling? I do like bowling. I do like bowling. I feel like you could do bowling pretty safely. Yeah. Would you you go to your manager and ask them, hey, I'd just like to take a couple weeks off. Why do you want to do that? I need to be the king of bowling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like I, I I hope if I'm ever in that situation... Uh, you know, my, my employers understand like, oh my goodness, John is very passionate. He's that's, gonna, that's a great employee to have. He's going to be the king of bowling. He wants to be this good at something. Well, I mean, you can't, you can't really travel anywhere. So if you want to take your two-week vacation to go play, you know, rec sports, why not? It would take a week and a half just to get out to like, you know, Ontario if they're hosting the, the, the competition. For me, I drive slowly yeah. and carefully. I'm 30 years old. I'm an old man, guys. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry, I don't have a Veloster. Okay, I don't. I, <laughs> baby blue or performance blue? Yeah, performance blue. Andrew, what do you drive? Blue. Uh, the nothing. Right on. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. I, no. Well, I mean, technically, you you drive. You don't drive, but you ride the bus. I do ride the bus. I was about to say I drive the bus, but I, I don't drive the bus. <laughs> I've thought about it. Uh, that'd be pretty fun. When okay. I was a kid, I really wanted to drive the bus. I was like, these right. things are the best things ever. Road trip then. Road trip. And uh, we'll let Jason drive, but we'll take my car. I'm not even sure the Veloc- Does the Veloster fit three people? It fits four people. Oh, wow. Four? Okay, four people or like four like twigs? Four small people. Oh, okay, so that's <laughs> two and a half seats for me. <laughs> Oh, you know, you can good. just strap me to the to the roof. That's fine. Well, you know, I, I uh, just to bring it back, I, I appreciate the championship being won by the uh, uh, the LA Lakers. I congratulate them. I congratulate the NBA for again a successful bubble, and now people can finally go to Disney World in in Florida. <laughs> like they can reopen everything. It'll be fine. You can go and ride the spinning teacups if that's what you so desire. But there is something to be had about this whole idea of taking all the pro sports and athletes. Throwing them in one area and just cutting them off from the outside world. It sounds so dark when you summarize it that way, but it's working. Yeah, it sounds like a movie. Like it sounds like a movie where you put all the contestants to one place. It's like a battle royale. I believe they call that the Hunger Games, yeah. and I think it's a little more violent than what we usually see in the NBA. Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you for that, Jason, and uh, congrats again to the Lakers and LeBron James, who now is for sure 100 percent cemented for me at least the greatest of all time. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Weird news. With Andrew Ferreira. And Andrew, I challenged you this morning over an email. I said, okay, I know you got your weird news and I know it's a great segment, but I'm going to challenge you to come up with weird news specific to Thanksgiving. What do you got for us? Yeah, it wasn't that challenging. Okay, fair enough. I'll make it extra hard next time. I I, I welcome the challenge. Just because I I knew that I'd be able to beat the dead horse that is the trip to fan myth. Uh, You know, people, and I had turkey and I mentioned off the top of the show, I almost had a nap before I came in. Um... Wasn't because of the tryptophan in my turkey. I, I know that everyone has the one family member who, you know, maybe they'll be joining you over Skype this year. Uh, but they'll always chime in. Are you feeling tired? It's that tryptophan in the turkey. I tell you, it's that it, it's not. You can tell them to be quiet. Um, tryptophan is an essential amino acid. We need these things to make our cells do stuff, which is generally good because then we can be alive. Uh, if you know what it is, you do know it only probably in that context that turkeys have it and eating a lot of it makes you sleepy. That's what I've heard. Turkeys have it. That's correct. It does not make you sleepy. That's blowing my mind. It a doesn't. Bit. Uh, the misconception comes from the fact that tryptophan is a key component in the body's production of a neurotransmitter that you probably do know, and that's serotonin. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the pills that you take to, you know, help yourself nod off at night if you just cannot get to sleep. Um, but tryptophan essentially is part of, and I'm going to read out the process because I like this and nobody will understand it, but I don't care. This is my segment. Uh, so tryptophan is converted to 5-hydroxy tryptophan, which is another chemical, uh, by the tryptophan hydroxylase enzyme, uh, which kind of moderates how that happens. You don't need, I can see you trying to process it. Don't worry. Uh, after that 5-hydroxy tryptophan is then converted to serotonin by an aromatic amino acid, which is called decarboxylase enzyme. So basically, tryptophan, once it enters your brain, goes through two little things. You can think of them as magic boxes where fun stuff happens in the oh. middle. And then out pops uh, serotonin at the end. Uh, it's because of this that people tend to think that if you eat a lot of tryptophan, you will get sleepy because serotonin is the sleepy thing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't. So you're telling me that this whole thing has been... what? Not a, a lie. lie. It's not been a lie. It, it, people have jumped from step A to step R without thinking about what's in the middle, and it's a logical conclusion. Right. If you know X produces serotonin and serotonin makes me sleepy, eating a lot of it will make me tired. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not quite how it works here. Uh, eating foods high in it, like turkey, you know, doesn't actually really lead to an increase in tryptophan, and this is because when you're eating a lot of turkey, you're also eating a lot of everything else. Mm. You know, your Brussels sprouts, your carrots, your potatoes, your gravy, your stuffing, your honey ham. My beer. My beer. I did have a beer. It was wonderful. Uh, But your body's trying to digest all of that at once. Tryptophan doesn't get an express ticket to the front of the line. Interesting. It, you know, it takes its sweet time. And here's another fun fact. Chicken actually has more tryptophan than turkey. What? 
and people never, they never go, ah, you ate that bucket of KFC, you must be feeling really tired. No, they, you never hear that. Maybe you're feeling bloated and maybe you're questioning your life's decisions at that point because you've just eaten 10 pieces of fried chicken at three in the morning in front of your computer because you ordered it on skip. Anyway, um, what I do on Friday nights is none of your business. I never said it was. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, you know, tryptophan is more present in chicken and we don't get sleepy by it. So then you're probably, so what makes you sleepy? Why do you always get sleepy after you eat a Thanksgiving dinner? Right. You just ate five meals worth of food in one sitting, dude. <laughs> like, that, that, that's honestly it. When yeah, you eat guilty. a Thanksgiving or a Christmas or a big turkey dinner, you just ate like 1,700 meals worth of food mm. in about eight minutes. Like, of course you're going to be tired. Your body takes energy to digest things. It ne- You know, everything that you do has an energy cost. Okay. You know, wildly gesticulating with my hands right now that you cannot see, but rest assured, I am. It helps me present. (laughs) I can confirm. That takes energy. And digesting takes a lot of that energy. And so your body is not afraid to just kind of like, it's going to knock you out so I can do this easier. It wants to prioritize digestion because digestion is how we get stuff into our bodies that we need. Right. So that's actually why you get sleepy after your, uh, your turkey dinners. I'm sure, like, the three glasses of wine that Aunt Maggie had also is a oh, contributing Aunt factor. Ma- Aunt, every year, Aunt Maggie, yeah, Aunt Maggie brings her own wine. One too many. It never ends well. Well, two years ago, she brought the box, box wine. Oh, the box. It mm. did not go back home with her. No, of course no. not. The box no. never leaves. The box, once the box arrives, the box stays. So it's funny because I feel like this has become just that annual saying like oh you you eat too much turkey you're gonna fall like it's really in essence almost i mean you're, you're explaining the reasons why but it almost becomes a placebo effect yep where like you you trick yourself into thinking that turkey is why you're falling asleep when in reality it's just that your body is just doing everything else to make sure your stomach doesn't explode essentially it's saying like look stop doing things let me digest this unholy amount of food that you've hmm. just shoveled into your gullet uh, doused in, of course, probably horrible, horrible, horrible gravy, which is delicious. <laughs> uh, you're not doing any favors for yourself, but like I said earlier, you know, in 2020, you have earned that meal. Right. Please enjoy it. You know, don't be afraid to sneak in a little extra gravy onto your plate. We know you need it. And oh, can, yeah. I know you need it. Oh, the gravy is the best part. And I, I couldn't do science without, you know, doing... What I normally do for science, which is other things that aren't Thanksgiving related, not that I don't like Thanksgiving related science, but yeah. it usually is only the tryptophan thing. I try, I, I tried my best to find something to do with like potatoes. I couldn't find anything interesting. The science of potatoes. Potatoes are cool. Don't get me wrong. I love me my tubers. I should have just called like the Irish college. Uh, Dublin. Yeah. We can tell you everything about potatoes. I, I don't even know if that's an Irish accent. That is, <laughs> mm. I feel like that might have been a little like pirate. Yard. Maybe like little, maybe Borat. Yeah. I'm not great with, uh, <laughs> with accents. That's okay. You don't have to be. Um, it's Thanksgiving. So what am I thankful for? I'm thankful that the earth wasn't vaporized two and a half million years ago. Okay. Explain. Elaborate. Um, to get to where we are, to get to the point where I'm sitting in front of this mic talking about the universe and people are nodding off in front of their radio sets at home. Um, the earth has gone through a lot of stuff. You know, we've gone through mass extinctions. We've gone through literally something the size of Mars crashing into the planet to make the moon. The moon is real. Please don't don't get into my email. <laughs> Andrew at cknw.com. Don't get into my email telling me the moon isn't real. I know you're out there. You tell me this. But the moon landing. No, I'm not going to go there. Don't don't even. It would be so expensive to fake the moon landing. It just didn't make any sense. Neil Armstrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> look, look, at, look at CG in 1999, and you think they could do that better in 1969? You are crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, scientists have found proof. Proof. I'm going to say proof in air quotes because proof in science about things that happened millions of years ago is always a bit tough to verify. Fair. Um, that a supernova exploded pretty close to Earth. Okay. It's not generally when a supernova happens near Earth, the Earth is dead. Yeah. Uh, because what happens when a sun blows up, which is what a supernova is, is it kind of rains its guts out onto the surrounding universe uh, with insanely charged, you know, ele- uh, no, charged particles that do such wonderful things as rip the electrons out of the atoms in your body oh. and to destroy the ozone layer and the atmosphere. Well, that's lovely. So, yeah, if one happens, you know, Tomorrow, close enough. Well, 2020 will be the last year. 
<laughs> Apparently. For us, you know, the Earth will be fine. It'll, it'll, it'll pick itself up in a few hundred million years. Dolphins finally take over. <laughs> about time. Honestly, about time. Uh, but scientists have, looking at, and this is the fun part, uh, what, you know, they like to call pieces of chocolate cake. Uh, they're essentially these rocks that are piled up at the bottom of the ocean. They look like chocolate cake. Hmm. They really do, but they're rocks made of iron and manganese. Don't eat them. Okay. Not very good for you. Well, you need iron and manganese in your diet, but this is not the way to get it. Um, but these rocks show the presence of uh, a, a, an isotope of an element called manganese called manganese 56. Now, manganese 56 is what is essentially... Uh, what's called a dead nucleotide or an extinct radionuclei, uh, radionuclide, sorry. Basically, that means that if we see it on Earth, that's weird because its half-life, the amount of time it takes for it to disappear is shorter than what we, you know, what it, if, it, if, it, it'll, if it'll disappear in a million years, mm-hmm. why is it here? That means it has to have been deposited here a million years ago or less. So they found this... Uh, there's also iron 60. This is the other one. Iron 60 has a half-life of 2.6 million years. Oh, that's nothing. You know, in this span of the universe, it is nothing. Mm-hmm. But iron 60, this, this isotope of iron, has a lifespan of essentially, on average, five-ish million years. Which means after five million years, we should not see it. Right. The Earth has been around for at least five million years. Don't listen to creationists. Hmm. Don't. The Earth is about four and a half billion years old. So it's kind of strange that we would see this isotope of iron on Earth. It should be gone. The only place we can think of that it could come from is supernovae. When they explode, iron 60 is one of the things that pops out of them and rains, you know, hellfire and brimstone on right. anything nearby. So that must mean, as I just are postulating, that that means we were close enough to supernova to be rained on by this iron 60, but or miraculously not close enough that we got ourselves fried. Won the lotto. We, well, we've won the lottery many times in the formation of life here on this planet, and this is just right. one instance. One thing that is super interesting about this, though, is that because of this, when they look back in the fossil record, they can also see that about 2.6 million years ago, an ice age started. Mm-hmm. And one of the postulated theories behind how supernovas could affect the Earth is an increase in cloud production. You increase cloud production, the thing starts to cool down. So could this supernova, this hypothetical supernova from 2.6 million years ago, have led to an ice age? Maybe. Oh, it's all connected. Maybe. Maybe. Follow the dots. They're out there, man. And by them, I mean rocks. Rocks, <laughs> rocks are out there. <laughs> space rocks, man. Rocks We're all space are out there. Wow. Rocks are out there. That's it. But yeah. Well, awesome. Well, that was fascinating. I'm also glad now that we did not get vaporized because otherwise I couldn't be here sitting with you gentlemen on Thanksgiving hearing about space rocks. All right. That's Andrew at cknw.com. If you have any other science related questions, that is the email to follow up on and he will give you everything you need to know. John in Toronto writing in at 877-399-9898. Talk UFOs. Oh, I'm sure Uh, this week we will get into more UFOs. They're not real. Well, no, no, well, no, well, before you say it's an alien, you exhaust every other option. Doesn't have to be an alien. It oh, just has to be an unidentified un- flying, like yeah. a frisbee from a distance. Exa- well, no, like, you know, it, UFO, it could literally be anything. It's an unidentified flying object. It could be a kite with like, could be a kite with like, with like flashing a, lights, like yeah, flashing lights. It, it could be a drone. Drones a, are getting better and crazier every day. Government super weapon. It could be that. I hope not. I hope not. Yeah, we got enough to worry about right now. We don't need super weapons on our minds.